Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the world's best independent magazines and delivers them direct to thousands of readers around the world every month. If you love discovering great new publishing from outside the mainstream, head over to stackmagazines.com and use the code PODCAST to save 10% when you join our independent magazine club. This week, I'm speaking to Matt Bors, the editor and founder of The Nib, a magazine that uses comics to tell stories about some of the big, serious issues facing the world. The magazine launched online first as one of the sites that were part of Medium in its early days. And in this conversation, he explains how that relationship came to an end and how he ended up working with First Look Media, another company with lots of money to spend, and how that also came to an end as their priorities shifted. These days, Matt is running the whole thing entirely independently on what he calls a more sane business model, uh, all funded entirely by his readers. And it's really interesting to hear his thoughts on the experience of working with these big, wealthy partners. It's also worth saying that I recorded this conversation with Matt a couple of weeks ago, but I'm recording this bit on Thursday, the 5th of November. And as I speak, Joe Biden is ahead in the race for the presidency, uh, but the winner hasn't been announced yet. And Donald Trump has launched a series of lawsuits uh, challenging the count in several states. So it's far from clear what the outcome is going to be. Uh, but I think that makes it a particularly apposite time to be sharing this conversation along with Matt's wish for an alternative to the Trump frenzy that we see virtually everywhere these days. He's doing a great thing with the Nib, commissioning and publishing a brilliant range of comics. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Matt Bors. Matt, thank you so much for taking time to talk. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I love I love stack magazines. <laughs> well, I love the nip, so this is going to be a good conversation. Um, so you are the editor and publisher uh, of the nib, uh, and I think that you put it best where uh, you say that this is a magazine of political satire, journalism, and nonfiction on what's going down in the world, all in comics form, the best medium. So tell us why is comics the best medium to be talking about this stuff? You know, it's a visual medium. It's good for relaying information, for telling a story, for connecting with with someone's experience. And then, you know, on the political cartoon side of things, you know, I I probably don't have to explain why, you know, satire is really effective. And the political political cartoons have been around for a long time, but they've been... uh, diminishing in print over the last few decades substantially there used to be hundreds of jobs in the u.s and more around the world and there's very few now and i came up in that field and you know my various interests are political cartooning print and nonfiction comics which is sort of a, a younger uh genre i suppose in mm-hmm. in cartooning that uh has not had a long history but now there's many practitioners, so I sort of wanted to unite these these interests. Uh, you know, the commonality being it's it's mostly political. It's mostly even if it's satirical, it's it's nonfiction and it's about what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And combine them into an all comics magazine. You know, there there really aren't many or 
any of those uh, in existence anymore, at least none that are doing exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a curious mix because I guess, you know, you're, deal with, you're dealing with um, a lot of issues that will be in the news, but the nature of the format, you know, it's a magazine that comes out, is it twice a year at the moment? Three times. Three times. Uh, although we get, you know, we started out quarterly, and then uh, we were with another media company. We all got laid off. We'll probably get into that later. But basically, <laughs> we're three times a year. And uh, although I'd say we're a little bit behind schedule because the pandemic just sort of uh, took a lot out of us, but we're on track with our next issue, which is actually the pandemic issue. Um, coming out pretty soon oh okay all right well we'll definitely get into that later so 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 what just to finish my thoughts what i was going to say is so you so you're three issues a year which means that you can't really be newsy i mean the you know when when you see uh satirical strips in the newspapers for example they're you know they're responding to something that happened the day before and obviously you you don't well it's not the luxury of doing that you just don't do that yeah, well, so the way that we, we deal with that is, you know, we are a daily publication online. And our, um, our, our, our magazine subscribers, you know, are really members, uh, you know, which is a, a term that a lot of uh, outlets use now for, for this type of support. But to us, it's, you know, you're not really just subscribing to a print magazine. You are supporting the entire existence of the publication. So... We run uh, two to three cartoons a day, mostly short form political cartooning, and then about one long form uh, comic a week that's usually nonfiction or journalism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that stuff is more about what's happening this day and this week. And then the issues, the print issues, are focused around a theme. And sometimes that's very political. Uh, and sometimes it's sort of, you know, not inherently political at all. We did uh, a death issue, a family issue, and we try to get um, kind of a, a broad, uh, you know, subject matter that, that fits into that theme. And, and most of it is political because that is the type of publication we are, but sometimes it's, it's, it's less so. And, you know, these are meant to have a shelf life and they, you know, they run in print first. Uh, the the kind of on sale date you know uh, for the magazine is three or four months if you signed up you would get it in the mail so we want it to be good for that amount of time plus after that period we're we're slowly doling out the pieces from the magazine online mm-hmm. and then you know months and months later you can still buy it in the store as a back issue so it, it's all designed with the idea that you know you can really read an issue of the nib magazine a year later mm. and it, and it shouldn't feel very dated at all mm-hmm. yeah sure and so you, as you say then so you started online first it, what first you know so you're working as a, a cartoonist how do you then step over and say well i'm going to start running a platform that is is publishing this stuff yeah so i had um been I've been a political cartoonist since the age of 19, really. It's, it's all I've been doing um, with my career. Uh, but I've always had an interest in editing, publishing others, uh, and, and just publications in general. So that eventually, I had a few 
editing gigs uh, with various outlets in a small capacity, like running their comic sections. Mm -hmm. And that led me to eventually pitch Medium, um, a comics publication, The Nib, mm -hmm. uh, back in 2013 it was. So that this is back when Medium is like really launching up and, and new and throwing around a lot of money. And I, I knew that they were, and I knew that they were paying uh, by traffic or at least uh, with the intention of getting a lot of traffic. And, you know, I just said, hey, you know, there's not a comics publication like this. I know a lot of people in the field and I can get them all publishing on one place and it would be successful. Like, there's no doubt about it. So it, it, it they let me do that. And it, and it was, it was one of their most successful, if not, you know, the most widely read publication that they ran for a while. And, uh, you know, eventually they got rid of pretty much everything that they were paying for but i had arranged the, the nib to to be mine and you know i kept it and i took it elsewhere but doing something like the print magazine i mean it took god it, it might have taken five years to to do but that was always sort of in the back of my mind as the way to 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 fund this because at first it was just funded by you know tech money and there wasn't as much of that they were just concerned about building an audience and building their platform and worrying about all that stuff later. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, I kind of come from, a, <laughs> I kind of come from a less uh, abstract world uh, <laughs> where figuring out how to make money is, is vitally important to your career. And my career as a freelancer and most cartoonists I know. So, you know, and print is still, uh, very vibrant and, and especially in comics, I think people are used to paying for comics comics themselves graphic novels and such is still a is a growing field it's not diminishing like newspapers so mm -hmm. it was always sort of a goal of mine to sort of uh you know to get into publishing as a, as a way to fund the business and, and so am i right in thinking then that you were able so you started out um online with medium and then um first look media got involved so was that when the print kind of became a reality yeah so there was Let's see, it was maybe 2015, the summer of 2015, that Medium got rid of everybody. And, you know, I, I was immediately looking around for other publishing partners, and I talked to a few places and ended up on First Look Media, who publishes uh, The Intercept, among other things. Mm -hmm. And they were, uh, they were less a tech company and more of a media company. So they were more sort of in line with me, and they also... Uh, they were, I was going to say a little more concerned about money. They were, they were a lot more concerned about, you know, ways, ways to make the things that they publish sustainable. And they had a, a completely membership only model or, or all for the intercept by which I mean, it was just, you just give money. There was nothing else. There wasn't like a print component or anything like that. So I kind of pitched them on this idea of a print magazine, which I don't think they were, um, you know, particularly prone to support or want to, you know, be the publishers of a, of a, of a magazine and all that comes with it. But, you know, I just sort of convinced them that this would work and they let me try it. And we did a Kickstarter actually for the first year of magazines, the mm -hmm. first four. And I want to say we got 160, 168,000. Wow. So that was a good start. And, you know, printing magazines is expensive and shipping them to everything anyway. So, um, and paying for all the content. Mm -hmm. 
but that got us through our first year and then we sort of grew from there. And I mean, you, you grew with this huge company behind you as well. I mean, you, you've had a, a pretty atypical experience in terms of working with these very big organizations to make your relatively small independent magazine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't want to downplay the fact that I'm, you know, really lucky. I, 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 the nib benefited from coming around in this time when there was a lot of, a lot of money sloshing around inside of media. Um, and, and, you know, I sort of, I took advantage of that by, by pitching, you know, aggressively pitching these, uh, these outlets on, on what I could bring to the table. And, you know, part of why there was money sloshing around is they were all very interested in building new audiences, finding new ways to reach people with, you know, brands, quote unquote, that, um, you know, could, could tap into audiences that, that, that they couldn't. And a lot of places don't know anything about comics. So mm -hmm. someone like me who knows about them and says, Hey, you know, I can make this thing work. I have a proven track record. It's, we're a publication that's basically ready to go. All you have to do is, you know, fund us. And, 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 uh, and I also am lucky in that I, I did maintain, you know, complete editorial control the entire time, which I insisted on. I mean, I wasn't going to, you know, have to run things by people at these companies, but the business aspect of it was, you know, I sort of had to be, uh, I guess, subservient to their, the overall company's goal. And that's why medium, you know, they were, they were really more concerned with building up a platform and not necessarily publications. So then when publications stopped being a part of that, you know, I went away <laughs> and then at first look media, um, you know they were they were more concerned about it, but I think that what happened is uh, well to go back a little bit. Um, one reason I think that they they partnered with us is you know they were launching this uh, streaming platform called Topic, which uh, is still in existence I think, but you know what it was at the beginning was a little bit amorphous, and uh, they funded a anim animated show for the NIP, which was. Um, you know, these animated shorts that were like political cartoons and nonfiction things. And, and I think that they, uh, you know, saw they had value in us being on staff and us having connections with all these cartoonists that could help get this show made because they were really interested in short form animation and, uh, or, or video, I should say. And then, you know, I was kind of more concerned with, uh, print and just making comics. So, that was a really fun show to do, but I, you know, that was, that was sort of their directive. And then my directive was this little magazine I wanted to create because, um, you know, ultimately I, I'm concerned with covering my budget. And I know that if I could never do that, you know, the nib wouldn't continue in any form. Mm, and mm. some of these other things that, that media companies are doing are just sort of, they're based on, you know, endless growth models and having to scale up, uh, tremendously for there to eventually be massive amounts of profit. And I think that, you know, that's part of why the nib isn't there anymore. I mean, that those days are over for, for pretty much everyone. We're seeing a lot of layoffs in media that, you know, aren't just COVID related. It's because all this money that has been pumped into media with the expectation that all these various companies were going to develop massive Buzzfeed like followings just never materialized. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the nib, you know, is sort of designed to be 
um, I, w- I would call it have a, have a same business model that that means you know you you, you don't spend more money uh, than is coming in, and we don't do that. We're a lot smaller now, but we're entirely member supported, and it's it's based entirely off of you know people reading our print magazine and becoming members, and we spend thousands of dollars a week on comics because of it. So so you so first look media then are no longer involved with the nip. Yeah, as of uh, when was it now? A lot's happened in the last year and a half. It was last summer, <laughs> and they sort of uh, laid us off all, you know, pretty abruptly, actually, because everything was going pretty good, I thought. But uh, they laid us off along with um, the staff of Topic, or most of the staff of Topic. What Topic is is kind of confusing. It was a bunch of different things. They laid off the editorial staff that produced work for the website, and now it's only a sort of a streaming app thing mm-hmm. like movies and such and i think that's just you know what they wanted to focus on um it wasn't because the nib had you know failed to meet any sort of goals that were set business goals or readership goals or anything like that it just you know i guess i found that working with these companies you sort of you you take you take this the you take the deal knowing that this could happen at any moment and that there's no real it's not like working in a some sort of brick and mortar business where that where you know you work in a bookshop and you know the business is plummeting and the owner says you know uh, got to lay people off because we don't make any money anymore uh, you know working in sort of these tech and media circles it's you, they sort of can change strategy overnight and it really has nothing to do with anything you're doing it's just the way that this ecosystem works yeah yeah so so now then you're you're in this uh more sane world um so you're relying on uh your subscribers the supporters i guess copy sales um is there like money that comes into advertising in the mag is that you know the is, is this sort of like a, a patchwork that you put together to to make things work yeah, well, you know, we were lucky that when this happened, the membership program was was going pretty strong. So things have sort of just just continued. Um, there, it is. I say it's entirely membership supported. It's it's maybe ninety nine point five percent membership supported. There's a, there is a little bit of advertising. There's like a few ads in the print magazine, um, but those are usually worked. Uh, you know, work with uh, comic companies, um, swaps and. Sure. Uh, we have had a few paid advertisers, but it's nothing. It's nothing tremendous. Um, we might, you know, end up having some more advertising eventually. But you know, I think that advertising rates have plummeted for a reason, and and I think it's just a lot more reasonable kind of to um, go after uh, people, readers who you know want to want to support this work. So uh, so that's where we're at. Although you know, I guess I should say. Um, just to acknowledge like the realities of this is that under first look media, we had four full-time employees hmm. and, and we were all laid off and they basically returned the publication to me and we just, you know, did like a clean cut. Uh, but now I'm the only full-time employee. Hmm. So I'm still working with the editors that I was working with before, but you know, we're publishing, a little less and there's less people working on the boat working on it overall so mm-hmm. i still want to you know grow this thing to be really about double the size it is now would be would be great if not more 
And so I guess the way you do that is by catching people's eyes and by uh, converting more people into supporters. And so the themes of these issues are presumably extremely important because that's the thing that people kind of latch onto. The the copy I've got in front of me, the, the latest issue is the power issue, um, which, I mean, you know, <laughs> what, what's the timeline for this in terms of obviously a crazy number of things have happened uh, this year and your introduction has like a really blistering critique of uh, America's COVID um, death toll and the police response to Black Lives Matter protests and, you know, all of that stuff very clearly and obviously links to power but so like did you have time to commission any of that stuff in or was that kind of you know you, you could get it in the editor's letter because it's a last minute thing yeah the editor's letter is definitely the last thing i write if you talk to anybody who works with me um so the what happened with the power issue you know we so we i guess to start to step back we we plan the issues out at least starting with the themes you know, usually a year in advance. And then, you know, ideally we were working on a longer time frame because the long form work, which when I say long form in comics to us, that's like 10 pages, which is not an extraordinarily long comic. It doesn't certainly doesn't take a long time to read. Hmm. Doesn't take as long as like long form in print could mean, you know, 12,000 words, hmm. but to do a comic like that, especially if it's reported, you know, requires a lot of time. And most everybody is a freelancer. They have other projects going on. So a 10 page comic is something that could take someone, you know, a month or two, or sometimes, sometimes we even send people places, you know, we, we try to make allowances for that because we really want to make our, the centerpieces of these magazines stuff that you're, you're not going to see anywhere and that no one else would even attempt or, isn't going to be made possible elsewhere. So um, we, we do try to, you know, get in things that are, that feel of the moment, like in the family issue, we had a reported piece about family separation, which mm. was really huge mm. at the time mm. under, you know, under Trump. Uh, and then in the power issue, we did at the last minute kind of get in this, we happened to be working with uh, Reveal, which is a, a news outlet in the United States. And on this series called Invulnerable, which is this series of two-page comics about how the uh, pandemic has affected people. I mean, we're talking about everyone from there's an interview with a, a stockbroker talking about, you know, how, how there could be an upside, right? Like a financial upside. And then mm. mostly, though, it's more vulnerable people like a, there's a teenager in Chicago who is doing homeschooling while, you know, taking care of her younger brothers while her mom is at work and there's a uh, somebody who was detained in an ice processing center stuff like that so we got that and that that was you know it felt like as we were going to press or, or nearing press with power the pandemic happened and then um after that you know things got delayed and then black lives matter re-erupted so that's why i'm mentioning it in the uh <laughs> in the uh letter the the letter from the editor which which starts with the sentence 100,000 dead and our cities are on fire mm. well you know i got to write the pandemic letter to the editor letter from the editor this week and i think the united states is at i don't know, last time i checked 220 
yeah. uh, with, you know, massively surging infections right now. I mean, it's, it's gonna, it could be, who knows how many dead by the end of the year they're talking startling numbers, you know, it could be 400,000 or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's quite striking actually there. So, you know, obviously looking at the power issue, um, in the context that you know i'm reading it today it was sort of striking that i could only see one donald trump in there so the i think it's, it's a comic of yours where he gets his face head kind of cut cut in half but the, it's sort of striking that there's nothing there about electoral politics because of course it was coming out in a completely different moment even though it was an election year yeah you know i'd say that typically we do have more explicitly political i mean there are, i guess the the political cartoon section is political but yeah like electoral politics um yeah we i just try to get uh i the magazine is kind of the the place to let people kind of uh unwind a bit or or be a little bit more expansive in how they approach themes because a lot of our daily stuff is just very hammering on what's happening right now 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 Mm. so you know with this it's like a lot of this power issue stuff i mean we've barely run anything from it online i mean knock on wood you know trump will lose this election and i mean he'll be in office until january but you know a lot of this stuff wouldn't even come out in an environment that made sense if you made it uh about trump yeah although i you know i did my over-the-top cartoon that you mentioned. I, <laughs> that is the, uh, you know, one of the benefits of being your own uh, your own publisher and controlling the outlet is that, you know, there's, I don't know if there's a place on earth that would let me run that cartoon, so I'm glad that I uh, I own the nip. <laughs> yeah, you can do what you want. So, so give us a little flash forward then to the pandemic issue uh, and, and what's going to be going into that. Yeah, so the pandemic issue is something that we had, you know, I mean, almost immediately, I was like, I, I was like, we're gonna have to do a pandemic issue, you know, I, at the beginning of this thing, I was, I, I don't think anyone thought it was going to be quite this bad. But my wife uh, studies epidemiology. And she was telling me to watch out for the coronavirus in like January, right. she was like, a black, you know, she was like, watch, this is going to be huge. And I don't think anyone knew quite how huge. So towards the beginning of um, the pandemic, when we were putting the power issue out, I mean, we had another issue that we were working on that I just said, we're, we got to bump this and do the pandemic issue. Like this is, this is going to dominate life for at least the next year. So anyway, we have in the pandemic issue, what do we got? We got, um, I'm flipping through a PDF where most of it is, is laid out now. We have... You know, dispatches from Brazil uh, and Queens, which was at you know one point the epicenter of it. Um, an obituary from the Navajo Nation of a of a woman who was a healthcare worker who died of COVID. Um, some ways that people are changing the economy and trying to make things work. So we have a, a little profile on a person who is um, does uh, they were a musician. And uh, since live events have gone gone away, they they do um, uh, like house calls, uh, singing telegram type stuff. Mm, mm. And then we have you know some features on um, uh, Victoria Ying, a, a cartoonist writing about um, 
you know, uh, anti-Asian racism and sort of finding comfort in her and her culture's food. Um, we do have more from that series I mentioned in Vulnerable uh, with Reveal and the artist Tibui that is like profiles of, of different people through the pandemic um, from, you know, restaurant owners to Black Lives Matter protesters. Uh, we have a piece, a, a really interesting international piece from Lebanon about the uh, that massive explosion of that uh, mm. building in, in Beirut on the dock and, mm. you know, how that relates to sort of their government, um, you know, their government was storing stuff there for forever. That was <laughs> deadly explosives and you know, sort of their government incompetence and how that's translated to, you know, the entire com- uh, country, uh, especially under, under COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, a report from a homeless camp um, and you know the, the usual strip section that is um, doesn't feature Trump maybe much or at all but is is very political I, I love the way this is like the, this is actually a, an optimistic piece of publishing which is looking ahead to an era in which Trump is not dominating everything anymore the I mean obviously um, well we will get hold of copies of this and uh, be selling it in our shop uh, when it comes out but um i guess for you the best thing is that people sign up and become members uh and and subscribe to you so how how do they go about doing that yeah uh you just go to the nib.com and you'll see on the top right become a member and you click on that and uh whenever you sign up you get the most current issue which is power and the pandemic issue you know, I'm trying to figure out when when we're going to press. It's very soon, so uh, that means it will be shipping in November. Hopefully, arriving in November. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to say about you know you you look, talking about the Trump not dominating everything. I mean that's that's really what I am trying to approach with the magazine. Is I think even if you're very obsessed with and, and honed in on politics, you know you you burn out on this guy and if you want anti-trump stuff i mean we publish it almost every day it's online <laughs> so it, it's not like we're skimping out on that it's just i really wanted to present something different with uh with the magazine yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and um, matt thank you so much for taking time to talk uh and good luck getting that pandemic issue out in the world all right thanks so much Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Matt for taking the time to speak with me and fingers crossed for that optimistic future where we're all just a little bit less obsessed by the latest thing that Donald Trump has said. As I said in our conversation, the best way to stay up to date with the Nib is to subscribe to them directly and they also have a great online shop where you can buy back issues and lots of comics and books too. Or if you're in Europe and you just want to buy the nib, it might work out cheaper for you to buy from us. Uh, You can go to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop and you'll see we have copies in stock of the current power issue uh, as well as the animals issue and the family issue. And of course, if you'd rather just receive a surprise magazine every month, you can sign up for our monthly subscription while you're there. Thanks very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.